Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training. Introducing first your longtime fan, short time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton Boulder Hot Green. And his tag team partner making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zach the Hash Slinging Slasher Barlow. Well, but then. If I'm here and you're here, then who was flickering the lights? Nosferatu. <laughs> did you get Did you get Boulder hot? Because it's like Stone Cold, but oh my god, I didn't get it. I just wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna say anything. Well, um, I figured other people might not get it, so that's why I was gonna explain it. Yeah, no. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you um you did that, so I can hate you for it. Good. This is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the biggest shows, matches, and rivalries in wrestling history, or at least the ones I can talk about for a little while. And if you know nothing about wrestling, don't worry, because as you'll soon find out, I don't either. So, Peyton, what are we going to be talking about today? All right, so we're continuing our little like move away from wrestling shows, and today we're going to focus on a rivalry, which is probably the most famous rivalry in WWE history. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. Uh, the ultimate rivalry in the Attitude Era. It's what is kind of the blood force pumping through the veins of the Attitude Era and the WWF at this point. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the hottest talent in the company. Um through the late 90s and early 2000s, and Vince McMahon is the most hated guy. Yes, Vince McMahon, the owner, um, has his own Mr. McMahon character, uh, and he does some really great work making the audience hate him, because who doesn't want to hate your boss? Who doesn't want to beat the crap out of their own boss? And that's what Stone Cold was all about. Could you Could you explain to me, briefly, like, when did the McMahon character start... When did Vince start getting into the ring, and, like, when did, did, was he a heel, you know, right out of the gate, like, everyone hated him right away, or how long did it take for him to build up this reputation? Well, as we've mentioned in previous shows, he starts out as a, as a color commentator, or, uh, or I guess, no, actually, a play-by-play commentator. They don't really address him as being the owner of the company for a while. It's not until, and I feel like we keep mentioning this, so we're going to have to get to this one pretty soon. It's not until the Montreal Screwjob, which is where... Shawn Michaels takes on Bret Hart for the championship. Bret Hart's walking out of the company, and so Vince McMahon decides to make sure he's not going to take that title with him to WCW. So he, for real, comes out and calls the match, even when Bret Hart doesn't tap out. Um, And so that's the first time we see Vince McMahon as really the owner and that's okay, story. really? Yeah. I did not know that that was where he made his debut. So when that happened, was everybody like, what the fuck is the commentator coming out here for? Uh, no, because it was right just a little bit before that where he starts showing up as the owner. So, And also, people had started to know that he was the owner because there was this big um, steroid scandal in the 80s where they got sued. And so even though he wasn't on TV as the owner, because that was so much in the news, people knew he was the owner at that point. 
Um, okay, gotcha. And then, but this is where he starts being the owner on TV, and it's the next night on Raw after that where he does an interview with Jim Ross where uh, Jim Ross says, hey, everybody's saying you screwed Brett, and Vince McMahon says the famous line, no, Brett screwed Brett. And then from then he starts being a heel on TV, but it's it's mostly later that year and at the beginning of next year. So the, that happened in 1997. It's at the beginning of 1998 where Mike Tyson um, comes to do some appearances for the WWF. Um, it's always right around WrestleMania is when they start bringing in celebrities um, to kind of get some national media exposure for WrestleMania. So Mike Tyson makes an appearance at the Royal Rumble. Uh, the next night, uh, the 1998 Royal Rumble, Stone Cold is the winner. The next night at uh, on Raw, they have like a little, you know, contract signing where you know Stone Cold comes out as as the uh, Royal Rumble winner, uh, and and there they have Mike Tyson in the ring. They talk about here's Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, but Stone Cold is like, <laughs> no, that would be me, and. <laughs> Basically, he starts insulting Mike Tyson. They get into like a little scuffle, and Vince McMahon is like, "Hey, you embarrassed me uh, when I was trying to, you know, have this celebrity come on do good stuff for the company. He embarrassed me." So that's where it really starts. Um, and then at WrestleMania 14 in 1998, Stone Cold beat Shawn Michaels for his very first WWF World Heavyweight Championship. And then the next night after that is when Stone Cold comes out introduces the champion but Vince McMahon says hey I need you to be a real champion I don't need all this badass profanity middle fingers beating people up I need a real champion that you know has a good image so that's when we kind of see in this in this pre-match promo to our first match Austin comes out wearing a suit and tie and poses for a picture with Vince McMahon but it's all a ruse he stuns Vince McMahon beats him up and then that there's when the rivalry really takes off. Yeah, he did. He hated that suit. Yeah. He was very angry about it. But yeah, so so yeah, the whole rivalry is built on you're a beer drinking rowdy boy, and I, I don't want that for my company. I want only the the most respectable wrestlers to represent the WWE. Exactly. So, eventually, Austin and McMahon have their very first wrestling match against each other, but, uh, and in Austin even says, I can beat you with one hand tied behind his back, one hand tied behind my back, which they do. Austin looks like he's going to beat him up, and then Dude Love, a.k.a. Mick Foley, a.k.a. Mankind, a.k.a. Cactus Jack, comes down to the ring, looking like he's going to help Austin, but actually, he turns on Austin and beats him up. And so, Dude Love is announced as the number one contender. So, it's always weird to me, of all the guys that, that Vince McMahon gets to try to beat Austin over the years, Dude Love was the first one? Yeah, it, it did kind of seem like a strange adversary to throw at Steve Austin. Yeah, which especially for me... the first guy to challenge him for the, for the title on pay-per-view is going to be Mick Foley, who's not really treated as a, you know world champion material at this point and in like his worst gimmick yeah um which don't get me wrong i love me some mick foley possibly my favorite wrestler 
But it is a weird sort of uh, situation to, to have him be the main antagonist of Stone Cold when really, I don't know, it, it seems to me that Mick Foley doesn't really have, like, a lot to do with this plot other than, like, he is the guy Vince picked. Well, that that is kind of how, how this goes a lot of the times. Vince just, you know, finds anyone he can to throw at Austin to try to beat him. Um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Austin and Dude Love actually were were tag team champions at one point, uh, not too long ago. Uh, so that's a little extra tidbit for for this match. Um, so uh, the first match is at Unforgiven 1998, Steve Austin versus Dude Love, and uh, you know we quickly go to some some brawling here uh, with with these two. Um, Dude Love, of course, comes out to his hippie music, and uh, we quickly go to the outside, go all the way up to the entrance ramp. Apparently, my favorite thing about Attitude Era wrestling is that countouts only matter when they matter, (laughs) because surely (laughs) this referee would have counted to 10 by this point. Yeah, and it's weird because there's a moment in... Uh, I think it's either this match or the next one where Vince is like, hey, don't don't count him out. Stop doing that. But like... I think you're thinking of the next one. But they still spend like plenty of time outside the ring before that. And yeah. it's, count outs are such a weird thing because they are so seldom enforced. Yeah, especially in this, in this point in the company. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, eventually comes down to the ring accompanied by his stooges, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. Uh, who were two kind of legend wrestlers who ended up just like accompanying Vince McMahon and being like the guys who would like, you know, do his like, you know, just follow him around and do stuff for him. Like Patterson gets a chair out for Vince and he and he sits down and watches the match. Uh, ends up distracting him and Dude Love almost gets a gets a quick roll up win over there. Um. Vince McMahon, they're actually teasing, once again, the Montreal Screwjob here, and Vince McMahon is, like, making eye contact with the timekeeper. There's actually a point here um, where Dude Love gets Austin in an uh, abdominal stretch, and Vince starts telling the timekeeper to ring the bell, even though Austin hasn't tapped, and then Austin reverses it, and then McMahon's like, whoa, wait, wait, no, 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 don't ring the bell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's also a really funny moment where uh, Jerry the King Lawler says, me and Vince have done a lot of broadcasts together, and JR says, yeah, and the ratings have never been this good. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, it was very good. Uh, the argument they were having about uh, whether or not uh, King could be replaced. Yeah, that's funny. So, um, go I, ahead. I did, I did want to just briefly talk about, uh, just to touch on Foley a little bit, because... I do think that, you know, and we were talking about it's a weird matchup, and I think that it definitely is, because, like, Foley's whole thing, like, his whole gimmick, or not even gimmick, but just, like, his his lot in life as a wrestler, some wrestlers are known for being big guys, like Big Show. Some wrestlers are known for being high-flying guys, or tough guys, or whatever. Foley's whole thing is just, like, he can absorb damage. Yes. Um... He, his his durability is at 100. Yes, exactly. 
And so I feel like that makes for kind of a weird match here. I mean, we do get some cool stuff going on with it. But I just I also like, though, how there's like layers to Foley's character that I don't think really exist with a lot of other wrestlers. Like other wrestlers, whatever, whatever gimmick they're doing is like their gimmick and no one really acknowledges the other things. You know, like with Biker Taker, when Biker Taker's Biker Taker, he's just Biker Taker. No one really talks about the fact that he was a zombie. Yeah. When he goes back to being a zombie, we don't talk about the fact that he was a biker. Whereas but with Mick Foley, like he's always Mick Foley underneath whatever thing he's doing. Yeah, and he and he goes back and forth between the different characters. There's actually the nineteen ninety eight Royal Rumble, uh, where Mick Foley enters the Royal Rumble three times. He enters as Mankind, <laughs> Cactus Jack, and Dude Love. He comes out Okay, as that each is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's honestly, it's kind of not that great of a Royal Rumble, but it's like it's remembered just for that reason. <laughs> uh, but no, that's a, that's a good point about old about old Mickles. And uh, you know, Dude Love was just never that successful of a character. It was just kind of a weird one. It's also weird that he's a heel here because, for one, I think the Dude Love character is his least like is his one that works worst as a heel, like. Mankind and Cactus Jack, I can see how they can be heels. Dude Love, I don't know. Just yeah, a, it's just a weird. Because, like, I don't know. His whole thing is like being a hippie, but and he's like, yeah, no, I'm all about peace, but also I'm beat the shit out of some people in this ring. Like, well, and the thing with Dude Love is, it was originally it was Mick Foley's the real guy's character when he was a kid. Whenever he would oh, like do wow. home videos of him, like, like pile driving his brother through a piece of wood he was dude love <laughs> okay that is actually that's pretty that's pretty fucking amazing i had no idea yeah. um i mean it doesn't make the character that much better because the character does it is his weakest one but i do think it's fun that that it used to be his like childhood persona i do think he does have his finishing move is the sweet shin music which is the sweet shin music except he kicks you in the leg <laughs> he starts tuning up the band, but Austin catches his leg, uh, and dude goes for a clothesline, but uh, accidentally hits the ref. Austin attempts a stunner, but dude reverses it into the mandible claw. Austin breaks out of it, gets a low blow, tries for the claw again, but Austin backdrops him over the top rope. Uh, Austin gets a chair and is about to use it, but dude knocks it back into his face. Austin returns the favor, but misses and hits Vince in the face with the chair. And then they do this weird thing. The commentators are like, was it intentional? Was it not? Except for it was very clear. Like, unless it was very unless obvious. Unless he's fucking blind. I think he was intentionally hitting Vince with the chair. Yeah. Uh, he hits him in the ring with a stunner, uh, and Austin counts his own three count. Uh, it was a fun match with lots of shenanigans, but nothing really that too special. So I give it like a 2.5 out of 5. Uh, That's fair. They put McMahon on a stretcher, and Austin walks out with the belt. The ring announcer announces that Austin has actually lost via disqualification because he struck a WWF official. But, of course, a title cannot change hands on a DQ or countout, so Austin keeps the title. So what I think is really funny about this is that they come over and announce that he has been disqualified because he hit a WWE or WWF official. However, Mick Foley just laid out the ref, so apparently that guy just doesn't count. Yeah. 
Well, Vince McMahon is more important. Because he's the Yeah, boss. no, I just love that, like, in wrestling, there is no penalty for for knocking out a ref. In well, fact, act, at times, act, it seems encouraged. Actually, technically, there is. Technically, you do get disqualified if you hit the ref on purpose. Ah. But if they don't, if they don't wake up and count the disqualification, then it doesn't count. So, God, I love it. It's yeah, it's <laughs> it's fucking weird. Uh, the very next month uh, is a rematch between Steve Austin and Dude Love at Over the Edge, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, the announcers are still questioning whether the chair shot was accidental or not, even though it's very clear. But McMahon refuses to fire Austin, and now we've got Dude Love who is morphing into a corporate man. He's uh. He's wearing a suit. He's got his hair slicked back. McMahon decides to make himself the referee for this match. Pat Patterson's the ring announcer, and Briscoe is the timekeeper. And McMahon says there's no WWF superstar who can intimidate him, but Undertaker comes out and choke slams him. This is all in the pre-match promo, by the way. Um, and so, basically, Undertaker is now taking the role of ensuring that this match gets called fairly. Uh, in the interview before the match, McMahon says that if Austin attacks him during the match, he will disqualify him and he will lose the title. Uh, but he does say that the match will end by his hand only, which is a very important thing that he says. So Howard Finkel, you know, makes this ridiculous announcement for Pat Patterson about how great he is and how much of a legend he is. So Pat Patterson comes out as the ring announcer. He makes an announcement for Gerald Briscoe. He talks about the Briscoe Brothers Hubcap Company. I don't really know what any of that is about. Uh, but I do want to make a note that JR makes a homophobic joke about Pat Patterson, who is gay. And he was not out of the closet, but JR used to like to make off color comments about it because it was 1998. And I guess that's what happened because he says about Pat Patterson talking about the Hubcap Company. He's like, well, we know who does the rear. Yeah, no, I heard that, and I thought it was a very weird comment to make. Um, yeah, no, it's about Pat Patterson, who's actually gay. Glad to know JR was just being a piece of shit. Anyway, so we, uh, so we get another ridiculous announcement for Vince McMahon, who apparently does not have entrance music at this time, because he just walks out to silence. Um, Dude Love comes out with a crazy announcement about how great he is. He's wearing a navy blazer, and his hair slicked back, and he's got fake teeth in. Um, and then when Austin comes out, Patterson trash talks him and says he's a disgrace to every human being alive today and refuses to introduce him. Um, I do want to talk about one thing about how good the commentary team is at recalling facts. Like JR mentions, he says this was the building where 316 was born, where Austin gave his Austin 316 speech. And that's just crazy to me that you're like, oh, I remember what happened in this building two years ago. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty wild. But I guess um, if you're traveling on the road, but even then, I feel like it would make it harder because you go to so many buildings all the time. Yeah, you're constantly changing venues, so to remember what happened in one specific place two it's, years ago, it's different is, if you like wild. remember it on a date because like each pay per view usually takes place at the same time of year. So if you're like two years ago at King of the Ring, this happened, but to be like, oh. This is what happened in this building? That's weird to me. Yeah, no, it was pretty impressive. Um, can we can we briefly talk about how um, Vince's ref costume is just dumb as hell? Yeah, well, it, okay. Usually, whenever there's a special referee, they always, like, 
do like, okay, this is the version of the ref costume if the ref was meaty. <laughs> it's always like it's it's like they always have sleeveless shirts for the for the special referees. Uh, and if you're Shawn Michaels, they have sleeveless shirts and short shorts. Man, yeah, no, it was just, uh, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit I, yeah. I when I saw it. Well, because Vince is, like, ripped as fuck. Yeah, okay, for, uh, I think um, at one point he in one of these matches, they say he's 53. Uh, I think that's a couple of matches later, so he's, yeah. he's in his 50s here at least. And dude is, like, fucking... Yeah, and he only gets bigger. That is the thing I will say about Vince McMahon is why, like, he would never, like, have a performer do something that he would not do to himself. That is actually, yeah, that was something I wanted to bring up later on in this match, but I definitely think now is a great time to talk about it is, yeah, exactly, like, I mean, I've seen Vince bleed more than, like, most, like, you know... I don't think Vince McMahon is, like, the bloodiest guy, but Vince, like, probably bleeds in, like, every other match he's in. Yeah, no, like, I mean, you know, it's one thing to watch it and be like, hey, they're asking the wrestlers to do dangerous things, like bleed or put themselves through tables. But when you have the owner of the fucking company out there doing it, I mean, it is kind of a... I I do imagine it's got to be a morale booster. um, Yeah. Sort of behind the scenes. Sure. Um... Undertaker comes out before the match can start, and he slowly walks to the ring, and that's when the announcers talk about they think he's there to make sure Vince calls the match fairly. Um, Austin and Dude tie up in the corner. Vince breaks it up, and Austin gives him a finger. We got a few quick covers in the beginning, and, and Vince is clearly doing like some fast counts every time Dude covers Austin. Um... Eventually, uh, we go to the we go to the outside, uh, and and dude gets like ca- caught up by the neck in the ropes, which is actually, and I think they mentioned it. That's actually how he lost his ear. Um, yeah, yeah, they did. They did uh, give a give he, a shout. He got caught that. up in the ropes, but the ropes had been reinforced because another wrestler complained that the ropes were too loose. And Mick didn't know that they had reinforced the ropes like that. So when he got caught up by his neck, he was being, like, strangled. So he was, like, doing whatever he could to get out of the ropes, and he pulled it too hard and ripped his ear, part of his ear off. Do you know how pissed I would be at that asshole who insisted that they be reinforced? Yeah. And didn't tell anybody? <laughs> yeah. Um... I, I definitely would be charged. I bet if I was that guy, I would actually year. probably feel bad because you, you were probably like, "Oh, I should tighten the ropes because like this could be dangerous." Like he probably he probably thought he was doing it. <laughs> he probably thought he was doing a solid for everybody, but he didn't know that you know Mick was gonna try to strangle himself. Oh, but the hey, things that Mick Foley will do sometimes cannot be predicted. I will give you. I that. mean, it made a story, you know. Indeed. Mick Foley with two ears is is worse than Mick Foley with one ear. They start brawling by the announce table, and that's when Pat Patterson goes, this is a reminder, this match is no disqualification. And they're like, <laughs> okay, I guess it's no DQ now, because Vince is basically just making up the rules as he goes along. Um, Dude Love starts choking Austin with a cable. Austin breaks out of it. He knocks down uh, Gerald Briscoe in, in the in the process. Uh, we go, We do some fighting in the crowd. 
Uh, and when I, it's funny when Austin comes back over, he just starts walking on top of Gerald Briscoe and just stepping on him, which is funny. <laughs> I also like how this whole time Undertaker is just sort of stalking Vince McMahon <laughs> at yeah. ringside. Uh, a sign of things to come when he kidnaps his daughter. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, out on the floor, um, uh, Dude Love pins Austin, and so that's when Pat Patterson announces, oh, by the way, this match is Falls Count Anywhere, too. Uh, so again, <laughs> just making up the rules as they go along. I always like it. The Attitude Era always had these crazy sets, and you're like, why the fuck does this set have cars all over the place? And then you find out because it's so they can fight on cars. Yeah, because you're saying because it's gonna be fucking sick. There's a moment, but with ladders, that's kind of like this later. Yeah, but I won't ruin it. <laughs> so yeah, they start fighting all over the cars. Um. And uh, Austin, I, I guess, gets thrown into the windshield at some point and starts bleeding. Uh, he gets suplexed on the floor, and then uh, there's a point where Dude goes up to on top of the car and goes for an elbow drop, but Austin moves out of the way, and so Dude Love just smashes onto the concrete, which looked pretty painful. <laughs> yeah, no, it really did. Austin- uh, and additionally, that first like suplex that I think Dude Love does to Austin on the first car... Maybe it's the other way around. But, uh, like, it shatters the car's windshield, which I thought was crazy. I just don't get, like, I just can't wrap my head around when they just, like, slam each other on concrete. Like, how they're not, they don't have, like, permanent injuries. Which maybe maybe they do. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, probably um, a little bit there. uh, Austin ends up pinning Dude Love, and Taker is, like, watching Vince McMahon while he... While he counts to two. Um, eventually, we get back into the ring. Uh, Dude Love rem- removes the turnbuckle pad and slams Austin's face into the steel. Um, Pat Patterson hands Dude Love a chair, and Dude Love rams it into his stomach, hits him over the head with the back, and then hits a double-arm DDT on the chair, but Austin kicks out. Um, Austin eventually gets the upper hand, kicks that chair back into Dude Love's face. Hits him hard in the face with the chair and covers, but Vince refuses to count the three. So Austin gets up, starts yelling at him, and then Dude tries to hit Austin with the chair, but Austin ducks and Vince gets the chair shot instead. Right, and I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but in this match, if Austin touches Vince, he's disqualified. Yeah, I mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah, he's disqualified, and normally that would not mean anything because he still would keep the title, but Vince says, if you touch me, I, you get disqualified, you lose the title. Uh, which I guess that rule is still in place, even though he's now made it a no DQ match. Who knows? Um, I think it's very funny, like the idea of if if this was real, if you were taking it seriously, and you became the champion, you could just keep disqual- getting disqualified to hold on to the title forever. Yeah, and that would sometimes be like a thing that people would do. Like, I mean, that, they would do that a lot to like kind of have like an unresolved ending where you know the champion would keep trying to win and all of a sudden they there was nothing they could do so they would you know they would just like kick the dude in the balls and be like oh i walk out still the champion oh wow it's a cool way to to do stuff for heels um eddie guerrero actually had this thing he would do as a face where he would trick the referee into thinking that the other person hit them with the chair like if the referee got knocked down or was disqualified he'd bring a chair in the ring and like slam it on the floor 
to make a noise, and then he <laughs> and then and then he would throw it to the other guy, and they'd catch it, and he'd lay down on the ground like he got hit. <laughs> I love that. That was that was always a fun thing. Um, so Austin hits a stunner and covers dude, and another ref comes down to the ring, but Pat Patterson pulls him out of the ring, punches him. Um, dude puts Austin in the mandible claw, and Pat Patterson st- starts counting the fall, but Undertaker pulls Pat Patterson out of the ring and choke slams him through the announce table. Briscoe does the same thing, and then he also gets choke slammed through the other announce table. Um, finally, Austin hits a stunner and covers, and that's when he grabs Vince's hand and makes him make the count. So remember earlier when Vince said, the match will only end by my own hand? Ah. And then Austin makes Vince count, so it technically did end by his own hand. Uh, it was a crazy, kooky match, and exactly what the Attitude Era is all about. I thought, it, I mean, it was no like crazy good wrestling, but I thought it was really fun to watch. So I gave it a yeah. three out of five. It's very entertaining, which is you know, kind of sometimes. Sometimes I value it just being really fun to watch yeah, over the wrestling being like really solid. I agree. And I think though that honestly um Attitude Era used to be hands down my favorite, but after after doing this show and you teach me a little bit, I'm starting to lead towards ruthless aggression because yeah. it has a lot of the elements of attitude with some of the better wrestling. Exactly. Um but yeah, no, I I did love this match though. It was a good one. Um, I'm going to jump forward a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of fill you in on what happened. So Austin keeps the title for a while, and, and Vince's next guy to, to, try to try to take the title from Austin ends up being Kane. Um, and he books Kane and Austin in a first blood match, um, which is kind of crazy because it's like, well, how is Kane going to lose a first blood match when he's covered head to toe? Um and, of course, Austin actually ends up losing that first blood match um, despite all of his best efforts. And so Austin drops the WWF title to Kane, but he wins it right back the very next day on Raw. Um, and so we're back to square one. So the way Vince eventually gets the title off of Austin is there's a triple threat match between Austin, Undertaker, and Kane. And Austin, Undertaker and Kane pin Austin at the same time. So Vince says, okay, well, since no, there was no clear winner, he's just going to vacate the title. So they end up having, like, a tournament for it. Um, or actually, what he ends up doing is he makes Undertaker and Kane fight for the title and make Austin be the referee. Um, <laughs> but Austin actually refuses to count for either one of them. Um, and so eventually they have a tournament... Um, he gets screwed out of it by Shane, uh, and eventually The Rock wins that tournament. Uh, so Austin's next uh, shot at the title, or next attempt to get to the title, is at the 1999 Royal Rumble. Uh, so as you may know, the winner of the Royal Rumble, the person who outlasts all 30 entrants, um, ends up going to wrestle for the championship at that year's WrestleMania. The 1999 Royal Rumble is universally considered to be the worst Royal Rumble because here's how it goes down. The number one entrant is Stone Cold. The number two entrant is Vince McMahon. And so the match is all about them. I actually considered including it in here, but I didn't because it was too long and it's, it's not a very good match. Vince and Austin just end up wrestling all over the arena while the other guys in the ring suck. Like, it's literally... 
It's a match where Vince McMahon is not the worst wrestler in it, and there are 30 wrestlers. There's wow. probably like six guys that are worse because there's like fucking Gilberg and Golga and Tiger Ali Singh and the Blue Meanie wrestling in this Royal Rumble. Hey, you can't tell you can't talk shit about the Blue Meanie. That's my boy. I absolutely can, <laughs> and you should. Eventually, the <laughs> the. Uh, they're the first two guys, and they end up being the last two guys, and Vince McMahon ends up eliminating Austin with help from The Rock. So Vince McMahon is a Royal Rumble winner. Um, for That's for the history. Oh, that's so dumb. He's, uh, he's also won the WWF Championship and the ECW Championship. So... Um, so Vince McMahon wins the Royal Rumble 1999. Of course he says, hey, I'm not going to actually wrestle at wrestlemania he's like i'm forfeiting my my right to my title shot but the commissioner of the wwf sean michaels says well okay if you forfeit your right that means it obviously goes to the runner-up which is steve austin uh but austin says he'll put that shot on the line if vince faces him in a cage match mcmahon agrees he says no member of the corporation will interfere in this cage match so here we go to St. Valentine's Day Massacre 1999. If Austin wins, he gets to face The Rock at WrestleMania. Vince comes out looking fucking ripped. <laughs> Cuz he's in he's in like a like a like a tank top and jeans and he's like bulging. Yeah, I don't know how this old man Okay, I do. I do have a fair idea of how this old man is so ripped. It's probably steroids. But it's still impressive. Still impressive that this old dude is just like, just super jacked. I was. And the thing is, he's still like now he's in his seventies, still kind of jacked. I was watching an interview uh, that somebody did with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, his daughter and son-in-law, and they were asking about like, do you guys work? Do the McMahon? Does the McMahon family work out together? And Triple H was like, me and Steph work out. But I would never work out with the old man. He was like, I, he's, he's too intense. He's like, I would never <laughs> go to the gym with him. That's hilarious. So uh, that gives you an idea of, of, of Vince. There's a great line that comes out of the commentary early in this match that I thought was so stupid but also very good. And it was, if hate was written on every grain of sand in the Serengeti, it still wouldn't be more than Austin hates McMahon. Man, that is that is some fucking like word crafting right there. <laughs> um, I, so this is a steel cage match. Which to explain the rules of a steel cage match, it's obviously contested in a cage. The there are you can win by pinfall or submission. Or you can win by escaping the cage. And here's where I, I always kind of am wishy-washy about the steel cage. Because I feel like I don't like the fact that you could win by pinfall or submission. Okay. I feel like a steel cage match should either be you win by pinfall or submission, but it's in a cage. Or you win by escaping, but I you can't win by pinfall or submission. But I, escaping has to be climbing over. It can't be walking out the door because walking out the door is so stupid because it would be so easy. I agree. I think that any match that has a specific thing of, like, you can do blank to win, like money in the bank match or 
a flag match. Like, whatever the specific victory condition is for that set of rules should always be the only victory condition. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. No, I, I'm, I agree. Um, sometimes they'll do steel cage where you can't pin, pin or submit. Uh, and that's, that's fine. I just, I just, I, I hate, I hate two ways of winning because it's like, why would you ever, if, if you have all these other easier options, why would you ever choose climbing the cage? Yeah. Especially if one of your options is exit a door. You can walk out of a door or climb over. Or you can cage. climb 16 feet in the <laughs> air. But uh, I did think this was a cool way to start a cage match because they, they start it fighting on the outside, which I guess technically the match didn't even start at that point. But, uh, yeah, Mc, they, they start, like, McMahon is, like, is like kicking at Austin and stuff, um, and they, they just start brawling over at ringside, um, Austin is slamming Vince into the into the cage on the outside. Uh, McMahon tries to make a comeback a couple of times, but it doesn't really work. They fight in the crowd. The, uh, the way this match starts is crazy to me because at a certain point it becomes a reverse steel cage. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. It's a reverse steel cage, <laughs> which sounds like something TNA would come up with because TNA <laughs> love. Let me let me break for a moment and tell you about how TNA love doing reverse matches they had a reverse battle royal where the object where everyone started outside the ring and the objective was to get in the ring they also had a reverse ladder match where you had to take a title and climb up a ladder and hang it up (laughs) both of which are so stupid that's so dumb so this is some tna bullshit right here next you're going to try to tell me you're you have a match where the objective is to be pinned Um, it's a tables that match, be, and you have it's a tables match, and you have to jump through a table. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a reverse steel cage match because basically, uh, McMahon first person to suck blood back into their body <laughs> wins. Oh man, it's <laughs> it's the last man standing. The first person. <laughs> The first person to start out knocked out and then wake up wins. (laughs) Everyone's sleeping. The first person. The first person to wake up is the winner. Man, we should really be pitching this shit to Billy Corgan. Oh, he could. Oh, my. (laughs) Well, he's not doing TNA anymore. He's doing NWA now. Oh. uh, I did not know he was still in the wrestling business, but that's a topic for another time, probably. Anyway, let's get back into this match. Vince tries to run away from Austin by climbing up the cage. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> the water went up my wrong hole. So Austin starts following, up the, following him up the cage. He slams his head into the top of the cage, which causes him to fall backwards off the cage and through the announce table. Is this what you're talking about, Vince, like, willing to do anything that a, any other wrestler would do? Um, yeah, yeah. Because here, I think I mean, that is on on pretty good display. There are plenty of wrestlers who would probably refuse to take a bump off the cage through the announce table. I mean, he basically did 
He didn't quite do Mick Foley, but he basically did Shawn Michaels in the Hell in a Cell match where he falls yeah, to the Yeah, he absolutely table. did. He absolutely did exactly that. Um, um, but yeah, and so the EMTs come down. It looks like he hits that table pretty damn hard, too. I mean, obviously, no, you really can't hit does. it soft, but I mean, it looked fucking painful. Um, the EMTs come down, and they put him on a stretcher and put him on a neck brace. Howard Finkel gets in the ring and is about to announce that Steve Austin's a winner, but Austin steals the mic and says, that's bullshit. And then he, he goes, if, is the son of a bitch still breathing? And he says, if you want me to finish this can of whoop-ass, give me a hell yeah. Obviously, the crowd says, hell yeah. And so Austin climbs out of the cage, grabs the stretcher, and just, like, pushes it into the cage. Uh, then we're, we're back into the match. We finally get into the ring, and, and we get and the bell rings. So, to you, uh, in your opinion, is Austin an unusual face? Yeah. Because he does so many things that a heel would do, yet remains a face. Well, that's the thing. In the Attitude Era, faces didn't really do things that faces would normally do. Um, but here, it's because it was the 90s. I mean, like, it's not just wrestling. 90s was all about counterculture, really. I mean, you know, from the music to the TV shows, everything. So they were just kind of listening in to what people were saying and doing and, you know, people being fed up with their bosses. I mean, who doesn't like to see, like, this guy who's an just an asshole constantly getting his ass handed to him? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's You can't not love it, you know? That's the thing. An authority figure is always going to, like, in wrestling, is always going to be better as a heel uh, than as a face. And the guy who's beating him up is always going to, look good as a as a face um when, once we're in the ring uh, uh austin just basically owns him the whole time uh he slams him into the cage um and austin starts leaving but vince mcmahon uh like gives him some middle fingers and his face is bleeding so austin comes back down and keeps and keeps kicking kicking his ass um and then eventually, uh, Vince actually tries to get out of the ring, but Austin pulls him back down. Austin hits a stunner right in the middle of the ring. And then all of a sudden, the big show rips out from underneath the ring. Um, and they call him Paul White because this is actually his first appearance in the WWF. He had just jumped ship from WCW, uh, where he was called the Giant. So I guess they hadn't decided what they were going to call him yet, so they just call him by his real name. They call him Paul White. Okay, I honestly did not even realize that was Big Show. You didn't know that was Big Show? No, I don't know how I didn't know that was Big Show. How many but other? He seems like five... more muscly here and less like. That's big. true. He's a lot. He's a lot lighter at this point, and he's got long hair. So, yeah, he doesn't quite look like himself. But yeah, it's a Big Show. Um. I do love, though, like, so every time that Austin was about to win, all Vince had to do was flip him off to bring Austin back into the ring. Yeah. Um, I, I did love the goading there. Yeah. Uh, I did have one, one question about that, though. So, like, was Austin only really allowed to do his thing fully at pay-per-views? Because do what thing fully? Like, his whole, his whole thing where he's, like, a cursing mouth 
flip off man. Uh, they'd let him flip the bird, um, and he would he would say hell and son of a bitch and damn it. He would never really go farther than that. He did say bullshit here, and I think that was that was only okay because it was a pay per view. I don't think he would have said that on TV. Uh, although I do remember, I I can recall him saying stuff like that and just being bleeped out. Um, okay, but yeah, the so yeah, I think I think they would they would try to avoid the harder curse words, um, except for on pay per views, uh, or they would just bleep them out. Uh, gotcha. Just because he, he's so you know his whole gimmick is that he's like this rough around the edges rowdy man so i was just wondering how they dealt with that you know yeah on, on tv well you gotta think about it they were on tv and they were on you know they were on cable they were on usa so in reality you can do anything you want on cable you can say fuck if you want on cable it's just most really be- yeah there's no there there are no fcc rules governing you know what you can and can't say. It's just people don't do it because they'll piss people off. They'll piss off advertisers. People won't want to advertise on there. Makes sense. I mean, well, think about it. Like Breaking Bad, they say one fuck a season, and that's cable. Oh shit! You're you are correct. Yeah. So. Huh. I uh, never knew that. My eyes have been opened. Or like Sunny, they say shit on their show. They do, they do quite a lot. But that's a good point. And also, they say "God damn it" a lot, which yeah. I feel like usually does not fly. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, I, I do want to talk about. I thought was really funny, and I wrote this down. How long was Big Show under the ring? <laughs> was he under the ring? He was at least under the ring the whole match, but the, uh, maybe the whole what show if he was down there the whole show. like. <laughs> Or did he walk out and get under the ring and people were like, what the hell was that about? Probably not. Probably not. So he probably was under the ring the whole show. He's laying down there for three hours just whispering to himself. I'm or at some point, they, did they turn out all the lights so he could walk down? I don't know. I'm, I'm legitimately curious. If someone out there knows the answer, please tell me. Maybe I'll look it up. But, yeah, I'm just it is kind of funny imagining the big show just sitting down there I, with a with a book or something, I, I don't know. I hope he didn't have Just to go to the bathroom, hearing, like smashing above his head constantly. Yeah, or like I hope like people didn't like. You think when people would grab weapons earlier in the show, they'd be like, "Hey, Big Show!" Yeah, he right just like he would peek out at them. <laughs> hey, man, when you come back down here, can you get me a Snickers? <laughs> Okay, but I do like the idea of someone peeking down to get a weapon and not knowing he's there and be like, holy shit. <laughs> they Where had did Big Show. They come sent from? out a mass email, be like, hey, just so you guys don't get startled, Big Show will be <laughs> under the ring the whole time. <laughs> um Anyway, so Big Show gets out from under the ring, and so basically that that's how Vince cheated around the whole no corporate interference because Big Show's not a member of the corporation because he's brand new. So he rips through it, and he grabs Austin and throws him into the side of the cage, but the cage wall collapses, and Austin lands on the outside, so therefore he won, which I thought was a really funny way to end the match. Yeah, no, I agree. It was a great ending and a great beginning to a cage match, but other than that, it really was not a match. Like there yeah, was, it was just there was no man getting match. the shit beat out of him. There was no match, really. I gave it a 1.5. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. Um, so, because Austin wins, he gets to 
challenge for the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 15. He's going to be taking on The Rock. Uh, Rock and Austin also have one of the most famous wrestling feuds in history. The Rock very tied to the whole Austin McMahon feud because he was a member of the corporation. Um, and Austin and Rock have three different matches at WrestleMania. This will be their first of three. Um, they, uh, I did want to point out they have JR is like coming, returning to call this match because I think he was taking off some time for his, his Bell's palsy thing. So that was pretty cool that they had him come out to just call this one because I don't know if you know this, but JR and Austin are like best friends. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. When Jim Ross got inducted into the Hall of Fame, Austin was the one who inducted him. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're best friends in real life and in, in the show. So, um, Howard Finkel announces the special guest referee being Mr. McMahon. Uh, originally, they had a match between Mankind and the Big Show earlier on in this match to determine who would be the special referee, which has to be, like, the lamest stipulation for a WrestleMania match. It's like, it's like, oh, uh, well, you're not in the main event, but if you win this match, you will get to referee the main event. <laughs> Uh, Mankind won, but Big Show beat him up after the match, so he's out of the picture. Um, so Mr. McMahon is coming out as a special guest referee, but Shawn Michaels comes out and says, hey, it's not WrestleMania without him. This will be, uh, actually Shawn Michaels, this will be one year since Michaels' last match against Steve Austin for the title at WrestleMania 14 before he, uh, re- went into his four-year retirement due to his back injuries. So is he right now? He's the commissioner, right? Yes. He's acting as commissioner. Does has he had the back injury? Is that why he is the commissioner? Yeah. So uh, last year was his his last WrestleMania where he lost the title to Steve Austin, uh, and so he this is part of his retirement. So he just he's now kind of like an on screen character. Gotcha. I, I know a lot of guys end up doing that. Obviously, uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, Mick Foley does that for a while. To yeah, a he's the degree. commissioner at one point. Austin later in his career becomes, they call him the sheriff, but uh, basically the same thing. Um, I did want to point out that there's someone who has a sign that says, I need to poop. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but I did. Man. You know, and all these years later, that's still getting a laugh. Great yeah. sign. A guy, I, I wonder who the I need to poop guy is. But, like, imagine, like, a guy coming to WrestleMania. He's like, I bought my tickets for WrestleMania. It's the biggest show of the year. Millions of people are going to be watching. i got to have a memorable sign. I've got it. Boy, did he pick one. Um, When Shawn Michaels comes out, he mentions that he had to buy a ticket. I'm like, okay, how did you get backstage (laughs) if you had to buy a ticket to the show? Um, And then he says the only person who can appoint a special referee at WrestleMania is the commissioner, which that sounds like the most, like, last-minute fake made-up rule. Uh, No, he says it's in the rule book, Peyton. Have you ever read the rule book? I haven't. I didn't think so, you doofus. Mostly because that's a rule that's never come up before, uh, before or since. Here's the thing. I'm beginning to think there might not be a rule book. You might be onto something. Uh... Shawn Michaels also bans the corporation from ringside, and uh, then a, another ref comes into the ring. The Rock comes out with the championship, uh, and then Austin comes out second. He's wearing a T-shirt instead of his usual vest, and there's actually a story behind that. Stone Cold was going through a divorce at this time, and he said he was completely out of his head. He was distracted all the time, so when he packed up, he forgot to pack his vest. That's oh, why he damn. wears a T-shirt in this match. Now, he is 
he does does he remarry someone from the company or was that who he got divorced from no he he marries a woman named Deborah who then becomes part of the storylines i mean also, gotcha. basically everybody in wrestling has been married like three four times yeah, I, yeah I except mean, for Vince. That seems like v- the Vince. Life Vince that is like one of the few who's like had like a lifelong marriage. Anyway, uh, they also mentioned the match is no DQ. Uh, they immediately start brawling and quickly go to the outside of the ring. Um, uh, Rock is playing a heel here. Have you have you watched much of the Rock playing a heel? I guess, I guess you have here and there. Yeah, here and there, I haven't seen a whole lot of it, but um, yeah, I mean, he does a great job. I think. Yeah, the Rock can really go back back and forth. Uh, Austin can act like a heel. It's just that people don't want to boo him. Right, right. This is the uh, problem. Rock seems to be able to, at least at this point in his career, maybe it's a little different later on, but he can still make the crowd not like him. Talking about um, Rock? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Whereas Austin, I think that no matter what Austin does at any point, people are going to go nuts for him. Yeah. Um, they eventually go, uh, come back to ringside... Uh, but they end up going up by the entrance ramp. Um, Austin tries for a pile driver, but Rock backdrops him on top of a light stand. Uh, Austin starts choking him with a cable, and he rams him right into that WrestleMania sign. Uh, Austin tries to suplex Rock on the floor, but reverses it into one of his own. Uh, we get back to ringside, and Rock slams Austin's head on the steel steps. He grabs a bottle of water and spits in Austin's face. I feel like he's done that in another match we've watched. He definitely has, because I when I saw that, I was like, that is a familiar Rock move. Yeah. Um, Austin puts Rock on the announce table. He gets on the guardrail and comes down with an elbow drop, and the table just doesn't budge, so he just does it again, and then that's when the table collapses. Um, Rock turns it around, and he gets Austin's legs wrapped around the ring post, slams his knee into the, into the steel. They talk about Austin's you know nagging and knee injuries. He's always wearing those knee braces. Um, back in the ring, Rock hits a rock bottom out of nowhere, but Austin kicks out at two. So Rock brings a chair in the ring. Austin steals it, but he accidentally hits the ref. Uh, the Rock starts beating Austin with a chair, hitting him in the knees. Then the Rock cracks him over the head. That's when a new referee comes in, but Austin still kicks out at two and a half. I love how, like, if if Steve Austin's going to be in a match, you better have, like, a whole-ass slew of referees ready to go just line them up next to the ring because there's go they're going to be knocked out oh for sure referees are going to get knocked out tables are going to get broken chairs will come out people will bleed that's it's a it's the steve austin classic shit it's a steve austin guarantee um (laughs) the uh the rock ends up giving the ref a rock bottom and Austin hits a stunner on Rock. Austin pins him, and yet another ref comes down, but Rock kicks out. And then Vince now walks down to ringside. He's changed into his suit. Austin flips him off and tries to hit the Rock with a chair, but gets a low blow. McMahon comes into the ring and punches the ref. So we've got three refs that have been knocked down already. And here's the thing about refs. They get knocked down, and they do not get back up again. No, no. Once you take down a ref, he's out for life. That's my favorite thing about referees is that, like, they they take a punch and they're down for the next 15 minutes and they have to be put on a stretcher. <laughs> Whereas, like, a you know, regular wrestler can get slammed through a table off the top rope and they're fine. 
<laughs> it's like how in the Halo franchise, the Master Chief can take many bullets, but all of the other enemies just just die really fast. So, like, maybe maybe the ref should try being more like Master Chief, like all of the wrestlers are. They're just so fragile. My favorite, Indeed. there's a match at WrestleMania 17. It's between The Undertaker and Triple H. And the ref gets, like, kicked halfway into the match. And then Undertaker and Triple H end up fighting in the crowd for, like, 15 minutes. And they come back, and the ref's still on the ground. <laughs> um... So now Vince and Rock are double-teaming Austin, and that's when Mankind comes down to the ring wearing a referee shirt. He punches Vince right in the face. Austin rolls up Rock, but Rock kicks out. Austin then gets the Thez press and an elbow drop, but the Rock fights back and hits a Rock bottom. He tries to follow it up with the people's elbow, but Austin rolls out of the way. Austin attempts a stunner, but Rock reverses it into a Rock bottom, but Austin reverses that into a stunner. I always love the way The Rock sells the stunner because he flips over and flops around. Yes. And I love I love The Rock, like, overselling things, which would, for anyone else, be kind of annoying, but for The Rock, it's charming. Mm-hmm. That's exactly uh, right. Because I, I always love his, his flops and his facial expressions. Yeah. Austin pins and gets the three count. Lots of fun shenanigans here. The wrestling isn't much to speak of, and of the three Rock Austin WrestleMania matches, this one is definitely the worst. Um, but I still give it a three out of five. And then, of course, after the match, Austin gives Vince a stunner. So, why? What made like mankind turn on Vince, or was that just not like a very stable relationship to begin with? Um, uh, mankind ends up turning face, and then he feuds with the Rock. You gotta think about this. If like a if a rivalry has stopped, there's not a lot of continuity in wrestling. So if something happened, like once a rivalry stops, and if and if those two wrestlers cross paths and they're not both like if and they're like a different face or heel, if they're a different alignment, it didn't happen. Gotcha, gotcha. The WWE has very selective continuity. So, you know, once once that rivalry ended and, you know, if it happened three months ago, it never happened, basically. Okay. Other than some things here and there. Austin eventually loses the title to The Undertaker. Um, but there's this ongoing storyline now between Vince, Stephanie, and Linda. And so Linda ends up making Austin the CEO of the company as part of the storyline. Um... And so, originally, Vince had gotten help from Austin to save Stephanie from The Undertaker, but it turned out to all be a ruse as part of the higher power storyline, and McMahon was the higher power the whole time. Do you want to do the impression? It was me, Austin! Son of it a bitch! It was me all along! <laughs> My whole family bought it! Um... But yeah, he was. It was all an attempt to screw Austin out of the title and and give it to the Undertaker, which they do. So, Lin so wait, let me run this by you because I'm I'm still confused. So, the, Vince McMahon was working with the Undertaker to kidnap his daughter and bring her out into the ring on like a big old metal thingy. It was a cross. Yeah, and so he, but 
no one knew that he was working with The Undertaker to do that. Everyone just thought The Undertaker was kidnapping his daughter for some other reason. Yes. And then because Undertaker kidnapped his daughter, then Steve Austin is wrong? Well, he was the whole thing was just to screw Austin out of the title. So I guess like his daughter was like some sort of peace offering. Okay. Or it was so also was just... it was also to trick Austin into working with him. I don't know. It was ve- it was a very confusing storyline altogether. To try to understand it is is an exercise in idiocracy. Okay. So anyway, but big big notes. Vince was working with Undertaker, tricked Austin, and also his whole family and pissed them all off at him. Yeah, except for Shane. Vince and Shane are still working together. But Linda is so pissed off, she gives Austin, she makes Austin the CEO. So we see Austin doing all this fun stuff in the WWF office. Vince, That was actually fucking hilarious. It was, it was really good. You should see some other stuff where he's like, you know, answering phone calls and stuff. <laughs> um... Vince challenges Austin to a ladder match where the corporate ownership will be on the line. Austin wins the right to have no corporate interference. Um, so we get to the match. At some point earlier in the show, Shane has been injured, but he's not really injured. He's just faking it. Um, there's this crazy ladder set up on the entranceway with just, like, this structure of ladders that I can't— Fucking- uh, what I will hear from henceforth be referring to as the ladder labyrinth or labyrinth for short. Hmm, I like it. Um, Vince comes out first and he gets on the mic and at first he's drowned out by fans chanting asshole at him. <laughs> he announces that his new tag team partner will be Steve Blackman, but they show a security camera backstage where Shane is hanging out with the Mean Street Posse and he's doing just fine. When he realizes he's on camera, he runs out to the ring, but he gets cut off by Shawn Michaels, who sends him out there. And Michael says Shane is more than capable to compete, and he kicks Steve Blackman out of the ring. Austin, come- I love Shawn Michaels here. He's great. Like, he's doing a great job as the commissioner. It was a great point in his career, a great way to keep him involved in the company. Um. Stone Cold comes out, and Vince and Shane try to leave, but Austin chases him down. Uh, he gets Vince in the ring, clotheslines him. Shane comes in, gets taken down. Um, eventually, we go back to the outside, um, and Vince grabs the ladder. Uh, Austin meets Vince on the entrance and kicks that ladder back into, back into his face. They're... Austin and Vince are fighting on the stage now, and then Shane comes up and joins them. Shane starts climbing up the labyrinth. Um, And briefly to describe the labyrinth to those of you who I don't know how, but do your best. Okay. Imagine as many ladders as you can. Hold that in your mind. Add more ladders. (laughs) Then make a clubhouse out of them. That is the labyrinth. That is the labyrinth. Um, eventually, uh, Shane gets sent back down to the floor off the labyrinth. Um, he's basically just tossing both of them into ladders over and over again. Um, 
Eventually, he pulls some sort of chain, and the whole labyrinth comes crashing down on top of them. Which that was right because really cool. when he's when he's smashing them into the ladders, the the labyrinth is composed of columns of ladders, and then rows of ladders laid upon those columns. So he keeps taking out column after column on the right side until he gets to the last one that he pulls with the chain, and the entire structure collapses and buries the McMahons. In a grave of ladders. (laughs) I will say, this is a pretty decent ladder match, considering it includes, like, nobody who's, like, known for ladder matches. Usually you think of, like, more high flyers. But you get Austin, and this is, like, probably... I think this is the first and only ladder match any of these guys are ever in. Um, Obviously, Vince and Shane aren't regular wrestlers, and then Austin's not really a ladder match kind of guy, so... It's, you know, decent, you know? It doesn't have any crazy high-flying stuff, but they do it in, like, their... Austin has a good way of taking matches that may not necessarily be suited for his style, but adapting them to his style that makes it something completely different, but in a very good way. Right, exactly. Like, this is just creative use of the ladders. Yeah. Um, which they, I think really, is they really just have great. that one structure and then the main ladder. They, you know, there's not, like, lots of ladder wars going on here. Exactly. Because typically in a ladder match, you know, you've got at least one spot where someone's climbing the ladder and then the ladder gets knocked down. Or people jumping off the ladder and all that shit. Which is great. I do love that. But, like, I also just, like, sheer force of ladders. Mm -hmm. We do get a little bit of high flying when uh, Austin lands an elbow drop off the ladder onto Shane through the announce table. That is true. Back in the ring, Aust- or Vince starts climbing the ladder, but Austin meets him on the other side. Uh, but Vince is able to push the ladder over. Um, uh, they're actually outside the ring when that happens. That, that I forgot about that because it was a weird moment where Vince is climbing the ladder outside, uh, and then and then Austin like lands on the uh, on the announce table like really hard. He like slides right off of it. It looked kind of brutal. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, the, the table is supposed to, it it breaking is actually, like, a good thing, right? Like, yeah, because if you hit it and it doesn't break, that's actually probably more painful. Yeah. Uh, but I think what happens is Austin's so sweaty that he just slid. He didn't no, really, he's he didn't so really, slick. He didn't really connect with it. He just kind of grazed it and slid right off. Um, uh, the world's worst slip and slide. Oh, God. Um, eventually back in the ring, Austin leans the ladder against the ropes, catapults Shane into it. Finally, uh, Austin starts climbing the ladder, but Vince tips it over. And then for some reason, Vince decides he's going to try to lift Shane up to grab the briefcase. This is so fucking stupid. He's got Shane on his shoulders and Austin punches Vince in the face and they both come tumbling down on top of each other. He tries to piggyback him into the suitcase, yeah. which is clearly still several feet above him. They uh, Austin hits a stunner on both of them, and then he climbs the ladder and reaches for the briefcase, but it starts rising out of his reach. Austin is pissed off, and he starts roughing up the timekeeper and the ring announcer. Vince now is climbing up the ladder. Austin climbs up it too, but Shane knocks them both down, and then he climbs the ladder and gets the briefcase. Um, the thing that always pissed me off about this is that they never told us who lifted the briefcase. Yeah, yeah. And not in this match and never later. At Nope, that's just like one of wrestling's just unsolved mysteries. We will never know who 
who Though I think like the rigged briefcase, it looked so silly when like it just like started going like whoop up into the air uh, as Austin reaches for it. I fucking love it. Also, you know though, this match teaches us one important thing, Peyton. One very important lesson. What's if you that? build a house of ladders, it will inevitably fall. Hmm. I, I think on that one for a little bit. You know, I haven't seen this new season, you know, without Kevin Spacey. I don't know about how House of Ladders is going to do without Kevin Spacey. <laughs> uh, I, another one with more crazy shenanigans and antics, but really no amazing wrestling. I give it another one and a half out of five. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do love, I do love the clubhouse of ladders collapsing on the McMahons, though. I'm glad you like that. It's got to be a highlight. It's really good. It was a highlight in a, a kind of a forgotten match. Uh, although I do remember, vividly I remember watching this show because I rented it from Blockbuster. Oh, hell yeah. Because I had some wrestling pay-per-views at Blockbuster. They had like three. And this was one of them. Huh. Um... So the very next month is fully loaded 1999. They're building it as the end of an era. So Austin beat Undertaker a little bit later um, uh, for, the, uh, for the WWF championship on Raw. Uh, afterwards, Taker hits him with the belt, causing him to bleed. So Undertaker wants a first blood match. Austin says he wants payback from last time. So it was a year ago where Austin wrestled Kane in the first blood match, but he ended up bleeding because Undertaker interfered. Uh, McMahon says that if Taker wins, Austin can never challenge for the title again, but if Taker loses, Vince will walk out of the company. Uh, They sign a a contract in Austin's blood, uh, and Vince comes out on crutches, and JR says that he cracked his butt? (laughs) He says that. He says he cracked his butt. Someone get Vince McMahon an iron butt immediately. <laughs> Vince is going to be the guest commentator for this match. Um, both Austin and Taker have been busted open earlier in the night. So Undertaker has like a bloody towel on his head. Austin comes out with a Band-Aid on his forehead. So it kind of creates a pretty good story where they're both trying to rip open the cut. Uh, just in case you don't know, a first blood match is pretty simple. The first person who bleeds will lose the match. Um, so this is definitely a product of the Attitude Era, you know. But oh, it, for sure. But I kind of think that it's, like, as much as I kind of, like, am a fan of the blood and I think it makes makes it kind of cool, I kind of don't like the idea of a first blood match. Why is that? Because I feel like it's easy to make someone bleed. Like, I feel like that's not... I feel like... The reason that the bloody matches are cool is because they're, like, fighting through having the blood on them. Yeah. If you cut off the match right when someone starts bleeding, that's sort of, like, it's kind of lame. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've never really, I can't really think of a first blood match that's really good. The original one with Kane was kind of cool just because it was like, well, how in the world is Austin going to make Kane bleed if you can't see any of his body? Um, I do like, it's always they have to bleed from their face. I would like someone to just get like a, like a cut on their finger and be like, oh, the match is over. <laughs> but obviously that's never happened. Yeah, first blood match is not anything too great. Plus, you can't really do a lot of wrestling because like the whole match is like them punching each other or hitting them in the head with stuff. Exactly, yeah. and it's very like defensive as well because like yeah. you're trying to keep them from getting to your face. So it just doesn't 
feel great. Yeah. I don't know. They immediately start brawling. Uh, Taker meets him down the aisle. Um, they start brawling and eventually get to ringside. Uh, they go into the crowd, and Undertaker throws the steel steps at Austin. They go into a crowd, in, into the crowd in a lot of these matches, I've noticed. Yeah, that's a big, big thing, I think, here. And especially, you know, for, for Stone Cold. But I really don't like it. I really don't like when they go into the crowd because I can't tell what the hell's going yeah, on. Yeah, because you can't, like, do moves, really. Yeah. Um, which I, they don't do it for ve- they Usually the brawling in the crowd doesn't last very long, so that uh, they, they do some brawling in the ring. They do some brawling back outside. Eventually, Taker grabs a steel chair and swings at Austin, but Austin ducks. Taker hits the post instead. Uh, Taker tries again, but Austin trips him up and sends him face first into the steel steps. I do like this kind of moment where Austin's like slamming him face first into the steps and the referee keeps he keeps pulling his head up and like the referee's like checking to see if he's bleeding. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, that was that was very cool. Uh in the ring Taker accidentally knocks a re- the ref down. Austin attempts a stunner but Taker reverses it and then he trips over the referee and gets tangled in the ropes. Um that's when Shane comes down to the ring but gets hit right in the face with a steel chair. Taker's eventually able to get out of the ropes, hits a low blow. He gets up close to me. He says, "You're gonna bleed, boy." <laughs> I like that. Um, Austin eventually is able to hit a stunner, and Vince tries to interfere using his crutch. Austin comes to the outside, punches him right in the face. Austin tries to use the chair again on Taker, but Taker hits him in the gut with another chair. Taker just punches the ref right in the face. X Pac of all people comes down to the ring and kicks a chair into Undertaker's face. I really don't know what that was about. Yeah, I was kind of wondering how X Pac factors into this. Uh, what the fuck, X Pac? And additionally, um, what was the point of knocking out the ref in this match? Did you, what? It, this one doesn't make any sense. I know. It's not a count. It's just bleeding. I guess because they wanted to try to build up anticipation at the end when you're like, it would have been cool if they had done this if they had like had Undertaker bust Austin open and the ref wakes up and he's like, well, I don't. They're both bleeding. I don't know who bled first. Right, that, main, that's where I thought it was going to go. But too. yeah, they didn't do that. Austin hits him with a TV camera and busts him open. Uh, and just as Undertaker's attempting the tombstone, the ref sees that he's bleeding and calls for the bell. Then we get all this brawling. Uh, Austin stunners Vince. Triple H comes down. The Rock comes down. Everyone's brawling. They're bleeding. Vince gets another stunner. Crazy fucking ending. Uh, but again, this yeah. match was just a brawl. It was wild because, like, and also, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was explained if you watched it in context, but I didn't really know why Triple H and The Rock decided to make their presence. Only known thing I here. know is they do mention that Austin is going to wrestle Triple H at Survivor Series. Uh, okay, and I think Austin or Triple H and Rock were feuding at that time, or maybe they said SummerSlam. I can't remember. Um, I gave it a one and a half out of five. Um, yeah, again, fair. So Vince is out of the company, but eventually he comes back because, of course, he does. Um, yeah. So what, how do they how do they sort of ride around that one? I was I, I was really curious. I don't remember. That's again fair. Let me see if I can find out. I feel like a, like I feel like that happens so much in wrestling. Of like you're no you're never coming back. Oh, what they came back? Yeah. No, it does happen always. Stone Cold somehow uses his power of being the guy who got Vince McMahon off TV. He reinstates him so that he can get a WWF title shot uh, against Triple H. 
Um, I don't know. It's very confusing. Okay. Eventually, um, what happens is Austin has to take off some time because of his neck injuries. Um, so it's uh, towards the end of 1999 that he ends up uh, taking some time off to have some surgery. He doesn't come back towards till towards the end of 2000. So he's off for almost a year. So uh, and then at that point, he's not really crossing paths with Vince McMahon at all. Um, and then that's when we come to our WrestleMania 17 matchup against The Rock. So Austin ends up winning the 2001 Royal Rumble. The Rock beats Kurt Angle for the title at No Way Out. Um, basically, there's not much story here other than these two guys just really hate each other. Um, they're actually both faces at this point. Um, but the crowd is really on the side of Austin because they're in Houston, Texas, which Texas is Austin's home state. Um also, yeah, I feel like there are like two types of matchups in wrestling. There's like the the story matchup where where the story brings two wrestlers together, and then there is the like you're in my way kind of matchup, which yeah. is what we have more of here. Well, and because it's, I mean, it's just kind of natural, you know. Austin won the right to the title shot, and then you know, Rock and Austin are always you know going to put on a great show. This is their second uh, WrestleMania main event. Um, Howard Finkel announces that there will be no disqualifications, which the commentary team is surprised about, uh, hadn't been previously announced. Austin comes out to that fucking awful disturbed theme <laughs> they, they gave him for a little while. They eventually went back, but God, I hated it, man. Oh, the, it's so bad. The butt rock era is where we are here. Yes, firmly in the butt rock. We were planted deep. And we stay there till like 2006, so. Oh, God. Uh, the two start going at it immediately. Austin grabs the title belt and swings for Rock, but he misses. Nails a Thez press and a couple of elbow drops. Rock goes for a rock bottom pretty early, but the Rock reverses it into a stunner, but the Rock reverses that into his own stunner, but then Austin reverses that and tosses the Rock over the top rope. They start brawling in the crowd, and then at ringside... Um, we go into the ring for a minute, and Austin hits a superplex... Uh, eventually Rock explodes with a big clothesline, and then he clotheslines him over the top rope. They're fighting over by the announcer's table, and I want to point something out. I don't know if you saw. You probably didn't, but um, the Rock starts yelling at the referee uh, who gets knocked down, and you can very clearly see the ref hand Rock a razor blade right here. Oh, wow. No. If you know that's happening and you go back and watch it, it's like, I mean, it's right there clear as day. He pulls it out of his pocket and hands it to him. Um, Holy shit. <laughs> and and then The Rock climbs on top of the announce table, and it just collapses underneath him. Um, oh, wait, I missed something. So after he hands him the razor blade, Austin hits him with the ring bell, and then he's bleeding. So th- there you can kind of see the uh, a little bit of the inside there. Um, yeah, yeah. Rock gets on top of the announce table. It just collapses underneath him. I don't think that was supposed to happen. <laughs> um Back in the ring, Austin gets some several hard right hands. Um, Austin gets into the argument with the referee, and Rock explodes with another clothesline. Rock slams Austin's head into the top turnbuckle, which busts him open, and then he brings the ring bell in and hits him with it. Um, They go back outside the ring, and Austin eventually gets the upper hand. JR says, this is off-the-page intense, which I agree. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. 
Uh, I, and like this is this is when I was talking about earlier, like I kind of like the bloodier matches sometimes. This is a prime example of it, um, because both dudes just being covered in blood makes it feel super intense. Yeah, and here's a very rare moment. So we go back to the outside, uh, and then the uh, let's see, Austin grabs a TV monitor and hits Rock in the head, and once again you see the ref hand Rock a razor blade. Wow. Which, it's crazy to me, first of all, that he bladed twice in one match, the same guy, and that we caught it on camera twice in one match. Yeah, that is, that is crazy. That's some bad luck. I bet whoever was, like, directing that shit was fired for catching a blade job twice. Yeah, probably so. Um, but anyway, so Rock is bleeding even more, um... We go back into the ring. Austin attempts a stunner, but The Rock puts him in the sharpshooter. And we get this great image of both guys just, like, screaming out in pain while blood is just covering their faces. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Austin actually gets the sharpshooter in on The Rock, but The Rock eventually gets to the ropes. And then Austin puts The Rock in the Million Dollar Dream, which was actually Austin's old finisher back when he was the ringmaster. Uh, They mentioned, they're like, he hasn't done this move in years. Yeah, yeah, I, because I I noticed that they said that I didn't exactly know the move. Yeah, um, uh, Rock does this cool reversal where he kicks the the out of the corner and rolls him up, but Austin, uh, but yeah, Austin kicks out, and then uh, Austin is about to whip Rock across the ring, but the Rock hits a stunner. This is like the first match where we had like guys taking each other's moves and all these like really close near falls. It, it eventually created something really bad. Where nowadays. Like, everybody kicks out of everyone's finishers all the time. But here, it was the first time that stuff like that was really ever done. Yeah, and it, it comes off as re- being really cool in this match. I really like this match a lot. Um, um, Vince McMahon is walking down to the ring. And keep in mind, Vince is not feuding with either one of these guys at, these, at this point. Uh, he's actually, he just had a match with Shane earlier in the night. Um, so... He's not really been involved in either of these guys' lives too much, but they do mention they're like, oh, well, neither Vince doesn't like either of these guys, neither of these guys like him. Um, Austin gets a spine buster, covers, Rock kicks out. Austin's obviously getting frustrated. The Rock gets a spine buster of his own and follows up with the people's elbow, and then Vince, out of nowhere, comes in and breaks up the pin. Uh, we see the Rock mouth motherfucker and then chase Vince McMahon around the ring. He chases him right back into the ring, but runs right into a rock bottom from Austin. Rock is able to kick out at two and a half. So now... Vince McMahon being chased around the ring is always very funny to me, and I don't know why exactly. Well, because he's an old man. Yeah, but he's also super jacked, so it's like, hey, Vince, you know, you don't gotta run, buddy. You're super jacked. Well, apparently he did have to run because the rock was coming after him. That's fair. If, If... The Rock was chasing me. I, too, would be running as fast as humanly possible. Um, The Rock goes for a stunner, but The Rock shoves him off, and he hits the referee. Uh, Rock hits Austin with a low blow. Or, actually, excuse me, Austin hits a low blow. And then Austin gets McMahon to bring a chair in the ring. The the announcers are like, what the hell is going on? Um, Austin holds Rock while Vince smacks him in the head with a chair. Austin covers while McMahon throws the ref into the ring, but Rock kicks out at 2.9. Austin is absolutely furious. Austin goes for another chair shot, but gets hit with a rock bottom. 
Vince distracts the referee, so The Rock pulls him in the ring and starts punching him. The Rock turns around into a huge stunner, but The Rock still kicks out. Austin can't believe it, takes the chair, smacks him in the face, covers him. Rock still kicks out. Now Austin just starts beating him with the chair over and over and over and over again while Vince cheers him on. Finally, that's enough. He gets the cover for the three count. Austin and McMahon shake hands right in the center of the ring. This was an odd match. This was a really great match and considered to be like one of the greatest the WWF has ever put on. But it was a little bit weird because turning Austin heel and having him align with Vince was a very risky move, especially to do in Texas. And the problem with the, the aftermath of this is that the crowd could never really turn on Austin. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And it seems weird. Was there any justification ever given? Basically, and it's kind of told it's kind of told in this match. Um and it actually tells a good story of Austin just having to do whatever it takes to win the title. He's like I will, you know, lay yeah, in so lay in bed with the devil. I definitely get it from the Austin perspective as to why why he gives up the feud to to win because he he wants the title, but like why did Vince forgive him? What what changed in Vince's heart? What made his heart grow three sizes that day? Well, I think it has something to do with the aftermath of this, and that's when Austin aligns himself with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, and they become this big group that's wanting to get all the titles in the company. So I think that has something to do with it, uh, Vince McMahon being power-hungry and wanting to you know manage this group. Um, gotcha. I don't know how much it's really explained. They do some, there is some funny stuff that comes out of it where Austin, like, gives Mc, Vince McMahon a hug and tries to cheer him up by playing guitar. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but, uh, it was a great way to end this, this feud with, with Austin and McMahon. Um, and this match is, or in this show is often considered to be the end of the Attitude Era. So, you know. Austin and McMahon are the Attitude Era and the moment when they shake hands and, you know, in the feud, it, it's over. Um, huh. That is very, I mean, it, and you can see, you can see ruthless aggression coming out here because the wrestling in this match is like miles better than the match just two years ago, you know? Yeah. It's way faster, more intense. Um, and also keep in mind, the WWF, uh, bought WCW that Monday. So this is on a Sunday. They bought WCW that Monday. So they bought out their competition, and then they, you know, had the Austin and McMahon feud end. So, you know, this kind of was putting a bow on the Attitude Era. Um, okay. So Vince and Austin end up become aligned for a little while. Um, eventually they have the Alliance, which is very much a failed storyline of the WWF versus WCW and ECW that eventually just becomes different WWF wrestlers because Austin ends up joining the Alliance and ends up feuding with Vince, but it's more about like the WWF versus the Alliance. So they don't really have their same feud again. Um, in 2002, uh, in like the spring of 2002, Austin legitimately walks out on the company um, because of, you know, the way he's being used. He doesn't, you know, doesn't like the way the company is using him at that time, so he walks out um, and isn't seen again until the beginning of 2003. Uh, at that point, Austin 
has uh, he has two quick matches against Eric Bischoff, the GM of Raw, and then he goes into his final feud with The Rock, which culminates in their last match at WrestleMania 19, which ends up being Austin's last wrestling match. So, yeah, that's the end of Austin's career, but it's not quite the end of our, our show. I did want to kind of have one more match to kind of throw on to the end here. We'll jump forward a little bit. So Austin ends up taking a non-wrestling role for a while. He becomes the sheriff of Raw, the co-general manager of Raw. He does a lot of like special referee matches. He comes out and gives people stunners, stuff like that. Um, eventually, we get to what might be the most, the biggest national relevance the WWE has ever had at WrestleMania 23 in 2007. When we have our Battle of the Billionaires, uh, Vince McMahon is in a feud with Donald Trump, of all people, um, where Vince McMahon is embarrassed by Donald Trump routinely on TV and decides to challenge him to a match at WrestleMania where they both pick representatives and the loser will have his head shaved bald. So Vince picks the Intercontinental Champion Umaga. Trump picks ECW Champion Bobby Lashley. They decide they need a special referee, and Austin is picked. So we kind of reignite the Austin and McMahon feud. I do love there's like a, a package that they show before this of Austin. Like it's supposed to be him as a kid, and he's like pouring two cartons of milk in his mouth. Oh, yeah. Like on his face, and then it cuts to him as an adult doing it with beer. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that was like part of their little campaign, WrestleMania all grown up or something. Uh, it was cute. But, um, but I do think that if I had watched this in 2007, I would think it was fun. See, yeah, this is like one of those, it's, it's kind of like Chris Benoit. It's hard to watch in hindsight. And it is, yes, a lot like that. But it is different than Chris Benoit and that, uh, Chris Benoit had brain damage before he did what he did. <laughs> um, how weird is it, though? There are a couple of moments in here that are just very surreal to me. But that um, Umaga's name is like Maga. Um, oh, fuck. I didn't off. realize that. Holy how did you shit. Not realize? That's the first thing I thought. You make America great again. I don't know, because I always remembered him as the wrestler. Whenever I That's fair. I'm looking at this match from my 2007 eyes. Oh, and what, what eyes those must be, you know? I, would, I wish I could have those 2007 eyes. Um, I do think it's funny. Um, the, the barber chair comes down to the ring with its own entrance music. That um, was actually a lot of fun. I like that. Uh, Donald Trump comes to the ring with a woman who's not Melania. <laughs> yes, <laughs> distinctly not Melania. Austin comes out wearing his sleeveless referee shirt, uh, and the announcers are mentioned that uh, Jr. says he's been partying with Austin all night long because Jr. was just inducted into the Hall of Fame and Stone Cold inducted him. Um, uh, or if you're King, you say that he conducted him into the Hall of Fame. Oh, really? Did he say that? Yeah, yeah. I do want to mention this from commentary. King says, what do you think of Donald Trump's hair? And JR says, I think it's one of the unique mysteries of mankind. <laughs> uh, we won't, I guess we could talk a little bit about Lashley and Umaga. They're the like least important people in this match. Yeah, um, absolutely. They're really just placeholders. Umaga is, he's this wild 
stacked feral Samoan man, and Lashley is just big dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny, they were both champions at this time, and neither got to defend their title at WrestleMania. I do like, though, in this match, because we haven't really seen it yet, the Vince McMahon walk. Yeah, it was kind of the first time we got to see him do that, like, I'm shitting my pants walk. The He walks like an alien that's trying really hard to pretend to be a human businessman. That is, that is, that is a good point. Um... We uh we get Umaga and Lashley to start brawling right away. Lashley gets Umaga in the corner, and Austin tries to force Lashley to make a clean break, and the two have like kind of a stare down. They're obviously kind of playing up. They're like, well, he's going to call it down the middle. You know, he's not one-sided, even though he is. Um, <laughs> eventually, Umaga's handler, Armando Estrada, gets involved, but Lashley quickly gets rid of him, gives him a power slam, and tosses him out the ring. Uh, and Lashley pulls down the top rope, and Umaga goes flying out, too. Back in the ring, same thing happens to Lashley. He tries for a spear, but Umaga moves out of the way, and he goes flying out. Um, later, Umaga is choking Lashley in the ropes, and Austin counts to four, and Umaga doesn't break it, so he just grabs Umaga by the hair and pulls him off. Uh, very active ref in this match. Yeah, um... Because I think he does that twice, right? Where he grabs his hair. He does to it pull a little bit off. later. He grabs him by the eyes, actually. Ah. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, eventually, um, Vince McMahon tries to get involved. He cheers on Umaga from the apron. Lasley hits the ropes and knocks him right to the floor. And then he's like, ah, my back. I think he broke his butt again. <laughs> so. Um, both guys end up clotheslining each other and falling to the ground, and Austin starts counting them both out. Once he gets to nine, he decides to stop counting. That is the first time I've ever seen someone technically get counted out. Like, when, it, when two guys get knocked down, I've ever seen someone technically get counted out there. Huh. But he Because that, that's a rule, but I've never seen it actually in action. And I guess it's just a draw. Also, what would that mean? Would they both get their head shaved? Neither? Now, that is an important question. Stone Cold did promise that at least one would get his head shaved, so I have to assume both. That's why I guess he stopped counting. Could you imagine if, like, I I remember going into this match and, like, you know, I I had just started kind of, like, becoming more of a smart fan where I was like, oh, yeah, I know all the ins and outs. This was the first match I really remember being, like, knowing who the winner was like this is the first this is like the most confident i've ever been about a winner because could you imagine if they would have shaved donald trump's head oh if only uh um i do want to want one good line from the commentary i want to i want to throw at you here okay it describing donald trump he's so rich he has a persian rug made out of actual persian oh my god <laughs> which implies that either, uh, I think it was King who said it, either King does not know that Persia is a country, or Donald Trump has a rug made out of people. That makes sense. I, I would believe it. Um, eventually, Shane comes down and helps Vince to his feet. Umaga's choking Lashley in the corner again, and this time is when Austin grabs him by the eye to drag him off. Austin starts arguing with Shane, and then he turns around and gets a Samoan spike from Umaga, which was a weird finisher, 
It was where Umaga just, like, forced his thumb into people's throats. He just hit you in the throat with his thumb. Huh. Which I can't decide if that's a good finisher or not. Yeah. I'm going to say that thumb throat is not a good finisher. I'm going to say it's kind of fucking lame. Anyway, uh, Austin's now down for the count. Um, So... In the ring, Shane and Umaga start double-teaming Lashley, and they put him in the corner. Vince puts a trash can in front of Lashley's face while Shane goes up to the top and hits the coast-to-coast, flies from one corner to the other with a drop kick. Um, That's when Shane takes his shirt off, revealing a referee shirt underneath. Um, Umaga hits a splash on Lashley, and Shane starts counting, but Austin pulls him right out of the ring, throws him into the steel steps, Austin comes back into the ring and, but gets taken down by Umaga once again. That's when Trump comes around and clotheslines Vince and starts banging on his head. Did you see the way he was punching yeah. him? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, he was like I elbowing was, him. I was kind like, of. well, he was like doing his fist up and down. He was like jerking off on Vince's head. Also, can I can I read you another surreal line from the commentary team? Well, real quick, I do want to mention that, that that moment is the same one that would later be tweeted by Trump, but with CNN's logo on Vince's face. Oh, yeah. Oof. But yes, give me some more Trump commentary. This is this is just this one is not really that funny. It's just surreal. Um and it's when Shane reveals that he is wearing the ref shirt, and JR says, What is this? And King says, It's collusion. Oh, nice. I didn't even hear that. Yeah. I, I, do, I will say, they never truly portrayed Trump as a face. No, other no, than they when, absolutely Other didn't. than when the, uh, in this whole rivalry, other than when the, the, Money started falling down. But even when Austin got involved, he would shit-talk Trump just as much as he would Vince. But that's the thing, um, I think, with with Trump here is that, like, he definitely is a heel. Because his whole career up until this point was being a heel. Like, The Apprentice is Donald Trump being a heel. And he made history's strangest face turn. Some would argue he's still a heel, like myself. But at least as far as, like, his perception of himself that he's throwing out there, he made the weirdest face turn. And just like in the WWE, we pretend that everything that happened prior to that didn't exist. Mm. Nice way of putting it. Um, back in the ring, Umaga attempts another Samoan spike on Austin, but Austin ducks and hits a stunner. Lashley follows up with a spear and gets the three count. Uh, Trump does something that vaguely resembles celebrating. <laughs> like, is this how you do it? I love it when they cut to Trump and he was he would go, "Come on, Bobby!" Yeah, he just kept that's he just kept yelling the same thing over and over again. Shane attacks Austin from behind, but Austin turns it around quickly with a Thez press, elbow drop, and a stunner. Vince is trying to crawl away and starts walking up the entrance ramp, but Lashley goes after him, picks him up, throws him in the ring, and Austin gives Vince a stunner, and then he and Lashley strap him into the barber seat. King makes a funny comment about, like, what kind of barber has straps? (laughs) Uh, And then the three of them start shaving his head very fast. 
Um, they play the bald-headed blues, and they start putting shaving cream on his head. Austin gets out a beer while Lashley lets Vince look at himself in the mirror, and he topples over. Uh, Austin hands out beers to Lashley and Trump. I thought Trump didn't drink. Yeah, I thought that was supposed to be one of his big things. I think it was just, I don't think he actually drank it. I think he just took a sip. Because he doesn't get very long to celebrate, but when Austin gives a stunner to Donald Trump, and Trump sells it like absolute shit. Yeah. Uh, I've actually heard a very funny Austin talking about them doing that, and originally Trump's people were like, absolutely not, we're not letting him take the stunner, but... He wanted to do it, and, and Austin showed him how, and he even says, he's like, he sold it like shit. <laughs> um, and then JR has another great comment where he says, I bet Trump's ex-wives are doing cartwheels. That's better than alimony. <laughs> uh, that is a very good line. Uh, obviously, this match was all story, had very little to do with the wrestling, so I gave it a one out of five stars, but just something good to, to end on. Although weird to watch in hindsight. Yeah, man. It's like it's like I could tell how fun this was in two thousand seven. And yeah. now sitting here in twenty eighteen, I'm like, Good good lord. But think about it this way. Think about how these guys feel. First of all, I was thinking about Bobby Lashley. Can you imagine him telling his grandkids, Yeah, kids, I was in a wrestling match where I got to shave my boss's head with the president. <laughs> And also for Austin, you get to be like, I beat up my boss and the president in the same night. Yeah, I suplex the fucking president. You, can you top that? No, of course you can't. Well, it was a stunner. It, 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 it was a, hey, a wrestle move. Austin has given a stunner to two people who are currently in the Donald Trump administration. Trump himself and also Linda McMahon. Oh, yeah, I forgot that she has a fucking cabinet position. Jesus Christ. Both of whom mean? sold it terribly. And honestly, Linda's stunner was probably worse than Trump's. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then Austin ends up actually being inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009. The guy who inducts him, Vince McMahon. Huh. Well, that's fun. That's nice. That's a nice little way to wrap that up. So, uh, what'd you think overall? Um, I mean, classic Attitude Era, that's kind of my shit, so I, I enjoyed it a lot, but, um, I mean, obviously, you know, after we've seen other things, after you've introduced me to the, the smorgasbord of wrestling, uh, I, you know, it's noticeable that the wrestling's a little bit weaker, but I love the story stuff going on. Yeah, it's very wacky and fun. Yeah, I, I think that, like, each match kept me entertained at the very least, even yeah. if they weren't athletically impressive. Absolutely. And that's what the Attitude Era is all about. Well, that, does about that about does it for this edition of Turnbuckle Training. We want to encourage you to watch along with us. So next week, uh, we're going to be talking ladder matches. Uh, we've got to see one today. Uh, we're going to go through some of my favorite ladder matches and some of the ones that kind of pave the way uh, and we're especially going to look at the, the evolution of the match going from how it starts in the WWE to what it becomes and all the different kind of variants of it. Uh, I am excited about that. Um, and we will be watching on the WWE Network. But since Vince McMahon isn't signing our checks to promote their app, 
Feel free to find it wherever you can on the internet, and we won't snitch. Yeah, I'll be posting all the matches we're going to be watching on Twitter, uh, and you can find us there at Turnbuckle Train. Uh, follow us. Uh, give Send us a message. Let us know what you're thinking of the show. Let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, and also, don't forget to subscribe to us on wherever you um, listen to your podcasts. And also, don't be afraid to leave us a review. Thanks for listening. It's me, Austin! The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you and sacrifice. Son of a bitch! Oh my God. I did it for the ride.